0: hey north county you're listening to the north county beat today is friday june 12th i'm kelly kyle
1: and i'm ryan wolt we're here to bring you the latest updates from north county san diego
0: first a quick shout out to the sponsor of the north county beat cox communications cox communications offers high quality gigablast internet services that help businesses families, and individuals, stay online and stay connected. Get more information at cox.com.
1: And another quick message for you. The Coast News has been a leading voice in North County for 33 years. We continue to passionately cover the stories of our communities, of local economy, sports, culture, politics, and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you'd like to support local journalism, please go to thecoastnews.com. And if you are able, click the donate button on the upper left. It has been a crazy few weeks, Kelly, and we have a lot to cover. Most of our attention the past week has been directed towards the Black Lives Matter movement and the worldwide protests against police brutality and systemic racism that have occurred in response to the death of George Floyd Jr. in Minneapolis.
0: At the Coast News, we've been covering what this movement looks like locally in North County, and we'll be diving into that a little later in the episode with another Coast News reporter, Caitlin Steinberg. So stay tuned for that. First, let's take a look at some of the headlines in North County from the past two weeks. The coronavirus isn't going away just yet. The nationwide number of deaths has reached close to 113,000, and San Diego County has reported 308 COVID-19-related deaths at the time of this recording.
1: The number of cases has been going up as testing has become more widely available, with about 5,000 tests being performed daily countywide. Even with more tests, the rate of infection has been hovering around 3% of the total tests performed on a rolling 14-day scale. For regular updates, check out the interactive map on the coastnews.com's COVID-19 resource page. There you can see the county as a whole or find out details for your specific zip code. The coronavirus has created a new way for scammers to target customers of SDG&E. Utility companies warning customers that calls threatening to cut off their power if they don't pay immediately are phony and that they will never contact customers requesting credit card, banking, or other financial information. sdg and is acknowledging the financial impact of the coronavirus on their customers and is not currently shutting off anyone's power at this time, even if you have past due bills. So, if you get a call about your power being shut off, hang up and contact sdg directly if you want to verify your account status.
0: Stay-at-home restrictions as a result of the coronavirus are still being rolled back, While most businesses still have adjusted service restrictions, it's almost easier to look at what isn't open than what is. Everything in Stage 3 has been reopened, and only Stage 4 businesses like massage parlors, convention centers, tattoo parlors, and nail salons remain closed.
1: San Diego County gave the all clear for movie theaters, gyms, bars and wineries, film and TV productions, hotels, day camps, and even the zoo to reopen. Pro sports are going to be allowed to resume, but without fans at this time, making it possible that you may still be able to see the Padres play this summer, if only on TV. While the coronavirus numbers have been trending in the right direction, the combination of new businesses opening, continuing public demonstrations of protest, and now hot weather driving crowds to the beach could potentially lead to a spike in COVID-19 cases. The county has developed a backup plan if the next wave of coronavirus arrives, focusing on 13 triggers in the categories of epidemiology, public health, and healthcare.
0: Currently, the county is in the safe zone for all three categories, but falling out of that zone could pause or roll back reopening initiatives. So to help keep us in the safe zone, the county and CDC recommend continuing to follow those state and county health guidelines, including wearing masks and practicing social distancing in public. Wash your hands thoroughly and avoid touching your eyes, nose, or mouth before you've washed up or sanitized.
1: In local political news, Solana Beach has its first candidate in its first ever mayoral election. Former Solana Beach Council member Lisa Huebner has tossed her hat in the ring. The election this fall will mark the first time in the city's 34-year history that Solana Beach voters will get to choose their mayor at the ballot box. Prior to this election cycle, the city's mayoral seat was rotated once a year among the five council members.
0: Following the wave of local protests, marches, and demonstrations against police brutality and in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, there have already been a few changes when it comes to policing in North County.
1: The Carlsbad Police Department has adopted all eight policies recommended by Campaign Zero's Eight Can't Wait initiative, which includes requests to ban police from using chokeholds or shooting at moving vehicles, require de-escalation efforts and training, and require comprehensive reporting of incidents by police departments. Oceanside Police released a statement showing their own established policies and how they align with the initiative. According to Campaign Zero, these policies can reduce police violence by 72%. The Oceanside Chief of Police, Frank McCoy, also announced a collaboration with other regional police departments and the county sheriff's department to create a unified philosophy of de-escalation and a series of best practices to be used throughout San Diego County to go along with additional training for officers. With more Black Lives Matter protests being organized throughout the county, local officials have encouraged participants to minimize the risks of COVID-19 as much as possible through the use of masks, hand washing, and the use of hand sanitizers. They remind folks to avoid touching their faces and to try and use social distancing when possible. These continued protests have also created a lot of space for self-examination. The past few weeks have brought up a ton of conversations regarding racial equality, both locally and nationally.
0: So let's dive into the movement that's been going on locally. For this segment, I'm joined by Caitlin Steinberg, the Encinitas reporter for the Coast News. Caitlin and I teamed up this week to talk about these protests and what various groups are pushing for. Now I'm going to throw it over to her to walk us through what's going on here.
1: Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black the Lives The chants you're matter. hearing
0: are from one of the many protests
2: that drew thousands of people to the streets of Encinitas, Carlsbad, Oceanside, Vista, and San Marcos, among other North County cities this week. Local and national protests sparked by the death of George Floyd, a black man killed by police in Minneapolis on May 25th, brought the country to a screeching halt. Floyd died after an officer held his knee on Floyd's neck, restricting his airflow and restraining him for nine minutes. The officers originally arrived on scene in response to a call from a convenience stop employee who had reported Floyd to the police for using a $20 counterfeit bill. A video of the confrontation quickly went viral, triggering protests across the country. Minneapolis police did fire all four officers the day after Floyd's death. However, it took four days to charge the officer directly responsible for killing Floyd a delay which contributed to protests, rioting, and violence that would eventually span all 50 states and several foreign countries, including France, Germany, and Britain.
0: So we know that data shows about 1,000 people dying at the hands of police each year in the United States. That information is thanks to tracking from the Washington Post. Further analysis of this data shows that, although communities of color make up less of the total U.S. population, these groups are more likely to be killed by police. Recent reporting from KPBS shows that when officers here use force, they are more likely to do so on suspects of color than on white suspects.
2: Now, when we look at how San Diegans have reacted to the national situation, the county itself has been largely spared from the levels of violence and property damage seen in large American cities, such as L.A. and Minneapolis. There were some fires and looting following protests in La Mesa, and in the city of San Diego, there was an instance in which tear gas was released near protesters. Up in North County, things have been relatively peaceful between law enforcement and protest groups. I've spent the majority of the last week covering Encinitas as peaceful Black Lives protesters gathered at demonstrations for 11 consecutive nights. The protests have attracted thousands of individuals and families to the area in solidarity
0: with Black communities impacted by such police brutality. So Caitlin, at these protests, you saw a ton of people coming out of quarantine and into the streets. So how did you feel the week went?
2: I'd say Encinitas' week went about as well as possible, considering the circumstances. With thousands of people attending, some driving from as far as north as Los Angeles, it was a peaceful week. I had the opportunity to speak with the San Diego County Sheriff's Department, and not only did they agree protests were peaceful, they reaffirmed the protesters' First Amendment rights to do
0: so. Were these protests organized by any one group in particular, or did you find that there were several different organizers?
2: While they were all in support of the Black Lives Matter movement— Many were run by different people and groups. For example, the nightly protests at the Cardiff Cook statue were run by organizer Molly Woods Drake with the grassroots group Encinitas for Black Lives Matter. Those protests included reading aloud all the names of black Americans killed while in police custody, a moment of silence in their honor, and even laying in the grass at nearby Glen Park one evening for 8 minutes and 46 seconds of silence.
0: And each day that you show up, you are running into the fire to help the people that most desperately need our help. Their message
2: was somber as speakers shared their own experiences with racism in Encinitas. This particular protest involved a few local, state, and federal politicians who shared their own calls to action in the area, highly emphasizing the need to vote, as well as be more engaged in local politics. Encinitas Councilwoman Kelly Hinsey spoke to that.
0: In Encinitas, most white people feel served by the police when our black and brown community members are policed. Your presence here tonight reaffirms that we will not unsee the police brutality and systemic injustice that take black lives.
2: Representative Mike Levin also made an appearance. He represents the 49th District in Congress, which includes part of North County. He called on the crowd to get involved and vote. And we're going to support candidates up and down the ballot who will make real reforms, overdue reforms. Our democracy is on the ballot this November. Nothing less than the future of our democracy.
0: Yeah, so I was covering this one with you. And that protest last week in Encinitas was organized grassroots and included some politicians giving action steps, but mostly encouraging people to get out and vote. So what were some of the other protests that you covered?
2: Well, among the protests I covered, one that stood out to me was a large surf paddle out on Wednesday, June 3rd at Moonlight Beach.
1: Why do, do we want it? Yeah.
2: That paddle out alone brought out thousands of people in a matter of hours. No one had anticipated how large the turnout would be, including the organizers, nonprofits, Textured Waves, the Changing Tide Foundation, and Kind Humans. This unity paddle out, as they called it, attracted a much larger and different group of protesters, surfers, and their intent was not only to honor George Floyd's life, but also to bring awareness to a lack of diversity in the surf community itself. The protest host, Sal Messekela, spoke about his own experience growing up in the Encinitas surfing community. The surfers that happen to be black, we've known and experienced challenges in this community that would probably shock you. And in, quite honestly, one of the most poignant and powerful moments I experienced all week, Sal went on to hold eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence with upwards of 5,000 people kneeling on the sand of Moonlight Beach Park and standing in the surrounding cliffs and parking lots. The only sound heard was Sal's voice speaking aloud George Floyd's last words in time as a crowd of thousands silently held their fists to the sky in solidarity. I can't breathe! I can't breathe. Mama. Mama. Mama, I can't breathe.
0: Wow. Yeah, that feels like a really powerful image. So were there any other interesting groups holding protests that you heard about? It really was powerful. There was one on Tuesday, actually, at
2: the intersection of Highway 101 and Encinitas Boulevard, That was organized by students for Black Lives Matter, so you also had these demonstrations being organized by younger people. But what's really interesting in witnessing all of these different protests is how each one attracted different demographics and groups of people.
0: That's interesting. So what do you mean by that? Well, ultimately, the
2: mood and intent of all the protests were the same. They were somber, like I mentioned, and angry. But determined to see positive change speakers at all the events repeatedly thanked the crowds for showing up and supporting black lives matter and police stood peacefully present at every event but while some protesters probably attended all of these there were definite differences in demographics at each event from what i observed The surf paddle out specifically attracted more families, especially the one held on Cardiff Beach last Sunday. That protest felt different from the rest in that it was truly a family event. There were people of all ages and families with quite small children. The other thing I noticed at Sunday's event, in comparison to the others, was, simply put, more racial diversity. I actually spoke with co-organizer of Sunday's protest, Jessica Pride, who said it had to do with how the event was organized. We advertised that it was a peaceful protest, and really it was about children and educating them and having a place for children to use their voices and for families to celebrate diversity. Pride is also the co-owner of the law firm representing Leslie Furkron, the woman shot in the head by police with a metal beanbag at a La Mesa protest. She's been really involved in this work, and she told me why she believes it's important to involve children in the conversation and teach them about equality and kindness from the start. I think it's important that children see their parents standing up so that when they go back to the playground or to the soccer field and they hear another child bullying or making fun of someone else for the color of their skin or the way they look or the language they speak or you know yeah, the religion Indian they practice people, I'm actually lost, uh, we want them to remember people, this day and this teaching moment eight. that they're to stand up um, that well, they're supposed to say that's not, that's, that's not right that's not fair so it was both a heavy week listening to people share intimate traumatic experiences with racism and at the same time deeply hopeful people were peaceful all interactions with police were positive and everyone seemed to be engaging in these hard
0: conversations surrounding race relations in the United States today. And Caitlin, you're actually continuing this coverage of local reactions to police brutality, right? Yes. Right now I'm working to compare how individual cities across North County,
2: their city halls and police departments are responding to calls for
0: transparency, accountability, and reform. So That's coming up. Okay, yeah, a lot of great stuff. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for all of your reporting on this. Of course. I'll keep you updated on the situation moving forward. So now let's look at part two. All of those protests that Caitlin covered seem to be the first step in people's journey toward change. Like you heard with local protests, there are so many groups speaking out against racial inequality. Jose Fuste, an assistant professor of ethnic studies at UCSD, put it this way.
2: You need protest, you need outrage, you need organizing,
1: community organizing.
2: But you also need direct political pressure on elected officials. Because in the end, these changes are not going to happen if the laws are not changed.
0: And this change is going to look different for many municipalities throughout the county. Organizer Molly Woods-Drake, who you heard from earlier, is working with her colleagues to figure out what can be changed in Encinitas while keeping in mind that her team is mostly white. We will look to see what um, Black Lives Matter and other justice already existing organizations um, in the black communities and run by black voices, what direction they are wanting to move and will support them in any way. In Vista, a group of young political activists emerged on the scene at the beginning of this month The group, North County for Racial Justice, voiced some demands at a Vista City Council meeting on Tuesday. City Council read these demands during the public comment session.
1: Okay, so the demands were the funds used to militarize our local law enforcement be redirected towards the special social programs of the economically vulnerable in our community. The city reallocate funds to mental health services, healthcare, education and social programs that will benefit our black, indigenous, people of color and working class communities. The group circulated
0: an email template via social media so supporters could send in demands for the meeting. Towards the end, Councilwoman Corina Contreras said she'd work to get a town hall on the books soon.
1: I'm looking forward to putting together uh, at least unilaterally a uh, town hall to review some of these um, issues just to hear more from the public.
2: A lot of people when they think of politics, they think of it on the federal or state level. And as it relates to specifically to policing, you know, every city is in charge of its own policing um, policies.
0: Amasia Summers is one of the North County for Racial Justice organizers. This grassroots group is pushing for change to start with the people that it'll affect most, rather than starting from the top and working its way down. One of their biggest demands? Reallocating funding for the police.
2: So when we say we want to take money away from, from the police, we aren't saying that We don't want this to go anywhere. We want this to go towards programs that have been proven to uh, minimize crime and empower communities.
0: What this group in VISTA is pursuing is part of a larger conversation happening right now. You've probably heard the term defund the police floating around as a demand from protesters. But before you freak out, it doesn't necessarily mean get rid of the police entirely. It's more about taking police budgets and using that money to fund social programs intended to address the issues underlying crime. Issues that disproportionately affect communities of color, according to Martin Sheets with MPD 150, a Minneapolis-based advocacy group.
1: A lot of the things that we expect police to address, things like homelessness, substance abuse, mental health crises, have an outsized impact on BIPOC and poor communities. Um, If we use police resources to address those problems proactively rather than reactively, we not only uplift communities that are already struggling, but we also remove the harm that police can cause from the situation."
0: MPD 150 has been researching this issue since 2017. They view defunding as a step toward removing the police entirely which they say can be done while still getting people the help that they need.
1: The idea is that instead of police, we can think about having trained social workers, housing specialists, mental health professionals, and other community service members available on call. More often than not, those are the services that are actually needed on a 911 call instead of a police officer with a gun.
0: Still, the idea of police abolition is relatively new for many local organizers who are still exploring what defunding would mean for their communities. Brisa Johnson is with UDW, a labor organization serving on the Coalition for Police Accountability and Transparency, or CPAT, in San Diego.
2: We support the calls from the community members.
0: We support the national movement, but we also know that this is also a time to be students and study so that we can have a pathway that makes sense and that really takes care and and tackles the issue at hand, which is
2: ultimately to break these racist systems.
0: So while reforms that restrict use of force are important to these movements, like banning carotid restraints at police departments across the county, organizations like CPAT have some longer-term goals that they'd like to see realized. Here's Chelsea Bergistoter, a policy associate at ACLU San Diego.
2: We've been working with community members and partners um, to develop a set of actions for elected leaders to take, and we actually have... um, a policy package called Police Accountability Now. And these are things that we've been working on that we've identified as like uh, what our region needs.
0: This policy package includes things like higher standards for when police can stop and search people, stricter use of force policies, increased de-escalation practices, a decriminalization of lower level offenses, and diverting police budgets toward non-law enforcement interventions. Another significant part of this package, civilian oversight when it comes to policing. According to Michael Ganaco, a longtime advocate for police reform, this engagement is critical.
2: It, it's important for the community to be able to voice their opinion on how they want their community's public safety responsibility to be um, to be undertaken. And, and, you know, oversight can help there. Uh, so can the police or outreach and you know, town halls.
0: Now based in L.A. County, the former federal prosecutor runs a legal group that specializes in police review. He's even worked on a few cases in San Diego County. Ganako adds that municipalities must carefully evaluate who they are hiring onto the force and look into early warning systems for dangerous behaviors since many of the officers Ganako encountered as a federal prosecutor had committed multiple past offenses.
2: So you don't wake up one morning and decide to violate someone's
1: constitutional rights. It usually starts small and, and gets larger if it's not addressed.
0: Whether all of these reforms and reimaginations become reality, only time will tell. Activism is increasing at the local level in Vista, Encinitas, and other North County cities, but restructuring a centuries-old institution like policing can take years, and chipping away at systemic inequality, that could take longer. Wherever you stand, community organizers encourage you to vote at local, state, and federal level to make sure that your voice is heard.
1: And that is our show this week, everyone. Be sure to check out thecoastnews.com regularly for all the new stories coming out of North County, San Diego. And if you're looking for more podcast content, please check out the brand new Cheers North County podcast, where I get a chance to have a drink with interesting people from our community. The first few shows are already available. Just search for Cheers North County wherever you listen to podcasts. We
0: truly covered a lot today. But just remember that when it comes to coronavirus, things are still changing almost daily. So check your city's guidelines for the latest updates. You can also check in with the coastnews.com COVID-19 resource page for more helpful tools, including that new interactive map and news stories on the latest developments.
1: A huge, huge thank you to all the people who helped out with this episode. It was a team effort with our great reporters, Caitlin Steinberg and Steve Petersky contributing some amazing work.
0: Our editor-in-chief, Jordan Ingram, also contributed some incredible reporting to this episode. The Coast News associate publisher is Chris Kidd, and our publisher is Jim Kidd. The next episode of the North County Beat drops on Friday, June 26th. I'm Kelly Kyle.
1: And I'm Ryan Wolfe. Thanks so much for joining us. Be good to each other, take some time for some self-care, and have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time.